Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This episode is brought to you by Retention.com. Retention.com helps Shopify stores make more money by growing their email lists 20 times faster and sending 10 to 15 times more abandoned cart emails. Want to learn more? Check out Retention.com. Book a demo to get two times more audience credits for the first 60 days. Now, over to your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who's tuning in for the first time, my name's Nick. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us, and I hope you enjoy today's content. If you enjoy it enough, job for this week is to hit the subscribe button, and job for next week is to leave us a little five-star review. If you've been tuning in for a while, welcome back. Absolute pleasure to have you with us. We hope you're staying warm. Um, my guest and I, who I'll introduce in a moment, we're just having a little moan about energy bills, so I hope you're staying warm and not spending too much on your gas and electricity at the moment. It is uh, absolutely crazy where we are in the UK. As you're probably aware, if you've either seen the title or been tuning in for the last few weeks, we are talking about retention, about retaining your customers, keeping them buying products, stopping them from unsubscribing and re-engaging them when they haven't bought from you in a little while. Today, I've got a very special guest who's returning to the show. We've had him on before. His name is Andrew Busby, and he's the Global Retail Director of Software AG and founder of Retail Reflections. So Andrew, without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Nick. It's great to be back here. And yeah, I'm uh, trying to keep warm as well. Yeah, I think it's been for the last almost week, hasn't it? Below freezing pretty much all the time. It has indeed. I've refused to work at home recently because then I have to put the heating on at home and the office is heated either way. <laughs> so what I've done instead is decided to buy lots of heaters in the office because then I don't have to pay income tax on the heating, which is uh, one, one of my little wins against the tax man <laughs> for uh, for this winter. So I'm uh, I'm co- cozy in the office and anyone watching on YouTube will know somewhere, even wearing a beady, that's how cold uh, things are where we are at the moment. But um Anyway, enough about energy bills. This is not a political podcast and we're not talking about finance, although money is a very important part of this. Today, Andrew, we're talking about, we're going to talk about how to not lose your customers. So we've had quite a few guests on previously and the next few weeks we'll be talking about similar things about how to re-engage customers and that sort of thing. But today we're going to talk about how not to lose them. So I guess there's a, a very kind of headline point, headline question to kick us off. What are some of the ways that you're aware of? And we'll kind of dive onto tangents from here. What are some of the ways that you, you've seen that people are just terrible at holding on to customers or easy things that people do that they get wrong to lose customers? Well, I think the first thing is kind of to, to paint the a little bit of the, the backdrop to it. Um, mm. Because of what's going on with the economy, you know, which we don't need to, I think everybody's, you know, I'm sure very, very aware yeah. of that <laughs> with energy and so forth. So, and, and people are really struggling. Um, and and so that's the, the backdrop. So what I'm seeing is uh, all of us, you know, you and I, because we're, we're consumers, we're, we're all consumers. Mm. And... Um, as such, we are incredibly now promiscuous in as much as we're just simply not loyal to to brands. I, I usually say that the um, the you know, like with everything, there's always exceptions and probably the the, the standout one. Although uh, I'm not a, a user of it, but I have to take my hat off them, and that's Apple. Mm. I always say you, know, you could walk into the Apple store on Regent Street or wherever you care to to mention, and they punch you in the face. And you'd still love the brand, um, yes. Yeah, so, like I say, and, and whenever I, I tell that story when I'm up on stage doing keynotes, I, I always brandish my Android phone and say, "Well, actually, this one's better." But you know, we won't go into that. <laughs> I've got an iPhone. I'm afraid I'm I'm yeah. signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So, 
yeah, loyalty. I mean, I, I, I kind of, you know, it's it's deliberately being a bit provocative. You know, loyalty is is, uh, is dead. So how are you going to mm. retain? You know, for me, it's like you've got to. On the one hand, you've got to give people an excuse to come and, and shop with you and to come back. But equally, the other side of the same coin is, you know, if you give them an excuse not to come back, then that's probably far more powerful. A bit like, you know, if we have a bad experience, we tell whatever it is, 10 people or what have you. And if it's a good one, it's one or two. I don't know the exact figures, but you know what I mean. Um, we always like to tell of, you know, the, the bad experience and, and so forth. So let's take the case of physical, yep. which... You know, interestingly, you know, physically is, is you get fed up with all the stories about, oh, you know, stores are dying, high street dying. Well, I said, no, it's not. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> you're it, just doing it, it wrong, aren't you? That's the, <laughs> that's the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's evolving now. This is where I think actually physical stores have got uh, a bit of an advantage over online hmm. uh, in in many ways. Maybe I shouldn't say this on a Shopify podcast, but anyway, there you go. Um, it's all <laughs> no, they have absolutely. And actually. Whilst I'm on that, it's all part of the same thing now. You know, mm. finally in 2023, we're going to see that physical and online are finally going to go down the aisle together, and they're going to tie the knot. So it's very much um, you know one thing. But physical stores have got an advantage because they they can they can you know we used to call it years ago we used to call it retail theatre. Mm. We don't now, and we really ought to because that's what it's about. It's about you know changing the assortment, changing the layout, changing the, you know whatever it happens to be. Just you know turnover to to make sure that people have got, as I said earlier, an excuse to return because they want you know what what's that new thing that or um, display or experience that they're uh, that mm-hmm. they're going to have, and uh, yeah, there there are some which are very good or retail destinations which are very good at that, but I think the majority have still got a way to go. One as a destination, for example, I went um, quite recently, a couple of weeks ago, to have a, a look at to the new um, Battersea Power Station. Yes. Now we're not talking about one store there; we're talking about a destination, and it was fascinating. You know, although I did feel that they'd kind of recreated Westfield inside a power yes. station, and <laughs> they have, yeah. And it will develop, and obviously the units haven't all been filled yet, which is understandable because it's very early days. Hmm. But even so, actually. It was you know, a, a great space, and I'm sure in the summer it'll be even better when you can use the outdoor more and, and, and so on and so forth. So that you know that that's an example where I could imagine that somewhere like that is going to use a combination of not just the stores in there, but using the space, having live entertainment and, and so on and so forth. Always, always refreshing. Always having something new there, and that's what. You know, brings people back. So I guess one of the big questions then is, and I'll add a bit of context to this rather than just throwing it at you, is how does that apply to online? Because obviously a lot of people will be listening going, right, we're online shops, like we can't do all of that stuff. But there's so much that we, we use the analogy all the time. I mean, we were talking with one of our clients yesterday, a department store, about how do we make your, when you arrive on your website, how do we make it feel like you've walked into the department store where you're greeted and somebody says, we've got multiple floors here. We've got hundreds of thousands of products in this building. What sort of thing are you looking for? Oh, I really want a new coffee machine. Right. Third floor. When you go off the escalator, turn left. And if you want on the right hand yeah. side, there's a little cafe you can grab a takeaway coffee and have the coffee while you're walking around. There's free coffee over here if you want one. Um, or you can buy one upstairs at the Nero Cafe. And then, yeah, on your left, turn left and you, you can walk around and see all the different coffee machines that we've got. How do you give that experience on a website? Well, of course, one who um, 
years ago, actually, this isn't a recent thing, this is quite a few years ago, hmm. that did that very well was Burberry. Right. And walking into the store was a bit like walking into their website and, and, and vice versa. Hmm. So it, it can't be static. Now, you know, what people might be thinking is, oh, okay, uh, VR, you know, and that leads us then to, you know, that, that dreaded thing, the metaverse. Uh, and, and is that a way to, to bring it? Well, yes and no. I mean, I always smile when people talk about the metaverse because it hasn't been developed yet. No. Uh, and a bit like, uh, I'm going to just jump onto my um, high horse, my hobby horse, call it what you like, my soapbox for a second. The metaverse is a bit like omnichannel. Hmm. Everybody knows what it is, but nobody does. Yep. Uh, so we all talk about it as if we really know what, what, what we're meaning and we don't. But, the, the fact of the matter is that either what people think of, of, of the metaverse, but a virtual reality experience, hmm. you know, if I can extend the, the, the online to, to that for a second, is going to become more and more ubiquitous. People are going to mix that. And, and I think we will come to a point. It's a bit like if you look back at the early, uh, let's say, Amazon and Apple websites, I mean, it's la we laugh at them today, but we didn't back then you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. And I think well, the same will happen with this, where we'll look back at uh, websites today, perhaps, and say, well, you know, that was rather one-dimensional. Mm. But, yeah, it, it needs to it needs to be something which engages people. It needs to be a journey, a bit like if you walk into the, into the store. And, as, of course, I, I mentioned earlier, it's all part of one thing. I really do believe that mm. we're going to have a, you know, what I refer to as unified commerce so it doesn't matter what screen you're on, your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet or whatever, but uh, and equally walking the store or using the app, it all should be part of the, the whole. So, you know, it, it's not just about pop-ups and giving somebody, you know, this, this or that mm. offer, because if you go down that route, you're then going, you know, into personalization. And frankly, personalization for me is still mm. in its infancy. I don't know about you, but I, I spend or did before the pandemic, you know, a lot of time going to uh, retail conferences and so on and so forth. And yeah, yeah, yeah. five or six years ago, everybody was talking about artificial intelligence and how, what that was going to do for mm. us. And where is it? Is, uh, is the question I've been asking recently. Like we put so much emphasis on it. It's doing some well, things, but it's not doing a lot. No, it's not. And as an example, I posted something, uh, a video that I did um, back in the summer Hmm. With a colleague of mine from uh, from Software AG, and we just um, uh, and we recorded uh, this, and then I posted it to um, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and LinkedIn automatically puts the subtitles on. So I saw this back, and it uh, it thought that I was Angie, not Andrew. <laughs> so, in other words, all you've got to do when somebody talk you know, keeps on going on about uh, AI and how wonderful it is, say no, just look at the yeah, subtitles, yeah. and then you. Any, you know, video you care to mention, you know, it could be the BBC iPlayer, it could be, you know, whatever. So mm. we're a long way from that. Yeah, yeah. But for me, above all, it's got to be engaging. And, you know, I think some of the, the fashion websites by necessity are starting to get there. We know that, they're you know, they need yeah, yeah. to try to reduce the volume of returns. And by the way, don't get me started on returns, okay? We could do a... We could do a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole, 
separate podcast on returns. But anyway, park that one mm. for the timing. But what that's done is it's meant that they've you know they've had to improve the the imagery. And of course, with fashion, we've now got more and more tools so that you can actually measure yourself mm. and so forth. So I think it, it becomes in that way more interactive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, one of the things I can I can certainly point people out that we've been using quite a lot on Shopify recently is um, there's a few different tools out there. Dynamic Yield and Nosto are two that spring to mind where they've, they used to be like, like Nosto, for example, was a abandoned basket function for Magento. So somebody puts something in the basket, they get as far as typing their email address, they don't purchase, but they get an email. Nosto would send that email nice and simple. I know it did a few other things, but that's how I always used to know them. Um, Nosto now is a big, almost like CRM, a customer record management system that uses AI to learn things about those customers. And that now interacts also with the website. So it looks at, okay, we can now see that uh, George has come back to the website and George recently bought a pair of trainers. And it starts to learn these things. And going back to my question about AI is not really doing much, and I guess the question I would ask on this is, so what? The AI knows something. Well, the way we've then deployed that information for clients is things like when you're looking at a product, the people also viewed or you may also be interested in on that product page to say, you're looking at this, this pair of shoes. These are 50 other pairs of shoes we've got. And the AI learns a lot of things. It learns, A, where have I seen this customer before they arrived on your store? Because Nosto and Dynamic Yield are on lots of other stores. So it might say, well, we've just seen them on Marks and Spencers or we've just seen them in Walmart looking at trainers and they haven't bought any yet. We know that because we're on the sites. So we know they've not bought any. We know they definitely want white trainers as opposed to all the other colors. So we're going to display loads of white ones and one pair that people who often look at white trainers end up buying this pair. That's the most purchased pair that's not white when people have looked at lots of white pairs of trainers. You see, it learns and it learns both on a personal level to that person. And it also learns what happens just generally in those journeys across the board. And that also then applies to things like, um, you can then apply that information into Facebook and Google for your advertising. You can put certain product recommendations into email now. And as we're talking about retention, quickest way to get rid of people is to email them too much with stuff that's irrelevant what's more relevant than an ai engine going we know you're interested in this because you've just been on another website looking at candles over 50 dollars each and we've got a load of those so actually the nosto system is going to ping you going you should email these guys and we've got some cool stuff to send them and you click a button it sends it you've got your templates ready and it just sends out it might only be 30 or 40 emails but you find 10 or 15 of those people actually buy from you. Again, I'm making up lots of hypothetical examples, but I feel like AI is really good at doing that sort of stuff. And it's almost like it's good at doing the, I can read some data and recommend some decisions, but I still need a human to click the buttons. And as you say, what it's not so good at yet is I've still never seen a, and and we worked with Deloitte at one point years ago, and Deloitte were trying to do this on their main website, was make the actual content of every page as dynamic and AI driven as possible. And as an SEO consultant, I had a heart attack because I was like, what on earth am I going to feed to Google if it changes every time I refresh it? What's Google going to see? But their whole thing was, if you go and look at the careers section of the site and then go back to the homepage, it would now show you much more news relevant to careers. Why work for us? What job opportunities are there? Or we've got loads of vacancies that we need to fill. That's a problem we need to solve. So we're going to serve more of that content and less here's what's happening in the markets because of Brexit at the moment. Um, So I I think AI is good in these little snippets and it has its place. And the way I've been you certainly been using AI up until now um, in terms of retaining customers and keeping customers engaged, either whether they're new or not, has certainly been to let it let it kind of crunch the data that just, you know, our human brains just couldn't comprehend the millions of different bits of data on every single customer that are on there. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think I mean that that example you gave, yeah, I absolutely agree with. Hmm. But I guess the secret is to do that 
without appearing either to butt in on a conversation that you haven't been invited to. True. Or to do it, but in a way that doesn't appear intrusive or creepy. Now, that's that's a, extremely difficult, and that's the challenge, I think, that all brands have got. To be able to do that, it almost needs to be by invitation. But, yeah, mm. I mean, I, I um, talk to friends and family and the rest of it, and they're still amazed that they could do a Google search for yeah, a pair of trainers or what have you, and then suddenly on their Facebook uh, feed, <laughs> they're getting ads yeah. for, and they say, "How did it? That? How did it know?" And then, and then <laughs> of course, you know, you get into all the conspiracy theories, like, "Oh, I'm going to tape over my camera because they're, you know, they're spying on me, and Alexa's spying on me, and all the rest of it, and what have you." Whether <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. are or not, you yeah. know, doesn't really matter. But um, mm. yeah, it, that that's, I think it's it's a way to do that and add value to somebody's life as opposed to go ambulance chasing after a sale if that makes sense absolutely i completely agree yeah not an easy thing to to do so i do have sympathy there but i think they you know to to put a more positive spin on it Mm. we are getting there and you're right about ai and and, you know you know me i'll use an example like that just simply and and stretch it to simply make a point but yeah we are getting there We're, we're we're um a lot further than we were five years ago. And the exciting thing is that you know, I, I can foresee in the not too distant future that we will have true, what I call proactive retail, where, you know, I don't know what your interests are, but let's say it's golf, for example, that it knows because you've checked into you know, your- Well, you know, I work, I work at a steam railway near you. And for any fans listening, I'm not telling you which one because you'll all turn up. But um- <laughs> uh, Okay, so, yes, all right. You can use the steam railway example in this one if you want. Yeah. So there you go. So it knows you work on a certain steam rail. And by the way, when I move soon, I will be able to see the viaduct that goes over, which you'll know very well. Oh, excellent. Anyway. If you're on that new estate, if we're talking about the same one, but we'll, we'll take that one offline. <laughs> we'll take that one offline. Yeah, yeah. But no, so steam, right. So your interest is steam um, railways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you want value to be added. And, and you know, the, yeah. the golfing analogy, it knows that I've checked into my club. It knows that I regularly lose half a dozen balls per round. He knows how many rounds I've played in that last month. Therefore, yep. I'm going to need some more golf balls. You know, that, that type of uh, type of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, I think, for me, the exciting thing, that we are, we are getting there. And I think, going back to your point about the intrusiveness, I think it's so important. Um, one of my clients, she, she says a lot, she's marketing director of quite a big, big business here in the UK, and she always uses the phrase lift and shift. Yeah. And what she means is, as soon as someone's ready to buy... They need to be like, you click the product, you add to cart, I'm in the cart, putting my card details in. And we need a few boxes as possible. And even when it comes to contact, she's less worried about opting into marketing because she's very smart and she knows even if they don't opt into marketing and things like that, I've still got them. Because when the product gets sent out, I'm going to send some little leaflets about why you should come back and buy from us again. When the order confirmation email goes out, we're going to mention a sale at the bottom of it. We're not selling them. Yep. We're not marketing to them. But she's checked with all the GDPR lawyers. We're allowed to say that. And actually, I bringing our sponsor into this retention as well. And um, I don't know how much you've looked at them, Andrew, um, retention.com. But I am furious that we're not allowed to do this in the UK. But retention.com, for anyone who didn't listen to the first episode, we had um, we had their uh, yeah, Adam on here, their, uh, their founder. Um, anyone who's been on your site, they can connect them up to an email address and you're allowed to email them in the US. But you're not allowed to email them anywhere outside the US. So we in the UK can't use it, which is absolutely infuriating because yeah. our lawyers have got involved in marketing. But as you say, Andrew, it's the reason our, our lawyers have got involved here is there's 
different political reasons. And I'd say the US is a bit more pro-business than we are in the UK and, and Europe. But as a, as a bigger point is, as you say, people have abused it and they've used it wrong. And that's ruined it for everybody. You know, they've had, in my opinion, there are levels of they've had to step in and do something and they've had to step in and do something because people were just abusing this thing and going, if, if I can work out what your email address is, I'm going to email you and spam you and all the rest of it. So something had to be done. Something had to be done. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think in terms of, yeah, in terms of where to do it, where I like your example of the conversation, have I been invited or not? One of the really important points to make on this is um, you can absolutely go overkill on it. You know, if you add something to cart and then suddenly you're hit with this massive banner and you've not designed the banner very well and it's sticking off the screen and the text not working properly and the banner says like, here's 50 billion other products you want. It's like, I've only put one in my cart so far. I've not even thought about buying it. And actually, if, if you just show one or two and they're complementary products, so it's like, okay, you're trying to buy these walking boots. Well, we're going to try and offer you some nice thermal socks as well. Because these walking boots are specifically for snowy mountains. You're going to need some yep. thick socks. And actually, we're going to give you one pair of socks and a button to our thick sock or thermal sock category. That's a much better way of doing stuff, we've found. Um, and then they, you know, they, in, they, they might not be, but the user now at least feels in control. They feel like they're making decisions to go, actually, yeah, I would like to look at your sock range rather than just going, buy this pair of socks. And it's like, okay, yes or no. You almost want to always give them an open question rather than a closed one. Yeah. And the, and the other thing with that is that it's a psychological one. If you give uh, people too much choice, they can't make a decision. Yeah. Uh, now, most, um, you know, if not, I'm sure all the marketers uh, uh, listening to this would would uh, hmm. uh, would know that. But that, that's a, a case in point. Another example, you know, you asked me earlier about good experience on online and so forth. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention specific brands. Yeah, do it. As long as you're allowed to mention them, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm allowed to mention. Yeah, so I was buying some uh, some Christmas presents. Um, this was one uh, for my daughter. She happens to like um, Joe Malone stuff. And so I went on there and I, bought, uh, I think it was a diffuser or something like that. And mm. and then at checkout, or just before rather, you know, checking out, came up and said, oh, would you like to um, choose one of these two sachets of... You know, and it had the, and, and it was, you know, free. It was only a very small sachet, but just a sample size. So it was very simple. It's what uh, I read um, not so long ago that Gartner, I think it is, described as effortless commerce, mm. which I quite like because, you know, people talk about frictionless and seamless, and I put them in Retail Room 101 along with Experiential and Omnichannel and a bunch of others. But, mm. yeah, effortless feels right and, and i think that's to your point that's what we want we want it to be effortless to find the product mm. i'm talking online now yeah, yeah yeah effortless to check out particularly if we're new we don't want to put in all our details we want to go out as a guest and complete the purchase and then maybe we will if it's all you know good and so on and so forth and we want payment to be uh, to be nice and easy and simple and intuitive mm. all these sorts of things and of course we keep on talking about these things but there are still examples, you know, where it isn't so intuitive. And, and as consumers, I think that the thing that is important here is that we are far, because of the, the macroeconomic climate and so on and so forth, hmm. we're far less tolerant now. I mean, we either we haven't got the time, but we probably haven't got the patience. And we know that there are other alternatives out there. And if it's too difficult, too hard, then we're just going to move on. So, yeah, you know, I think that's, that's, and that goes back to the point about the um, loyalty and lifetime value, you know, going back to 
yeah, retention and, and, and so forth. That's extremely important, but very difficult. And, and of course, with, with that goes, map, you know, again, for a marketer, you want to map, be able to map the customer journey. Well, I don't know about you, but it's like good luck with that now, because I think, you know, as, as customers, we're all over the place, particularly if it's a larger mm. ticket item. We're very unpredictable. You know, the whole outlook is very uncertain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're buying a new, I don't know, widescreen TV. You're not probably, you know, 500 quid, you're probably not just simply going to go online. You're going to do your research. You're probably going to go into store. You're going to have a look at it. You may then ultimately order it online because it's easier because you don't want to carry it to the car. But uh, And you might keep on going back. You, you mm. It could be several months. You might be asking friends, yeah, all sorts of permutations if yeah. uh, if you like i've got i've got quite a few points to make on this you've raised some really interesting uh really interesting questions actually um i'll go th- i'll go through them in reverse so that one of the idea of i might buy it online because i don't want to yeah carry it home in the car i've seen more and more stores um both in the uk and the us now putting massive stickers on the window at the front door saying home delivery yeah and it's one of the points they make especially if you walk into a shop where the items as you say are big like we, we bought a new sofa recently and one of the first things everybody says when you walk into a sofa shop is, yeah, have a look around. Everything's obviously delivered. You don't have to get it in the car. Um, and our current turn, and, and they, they say their current turnaround. And some of them say our current turnaround is six months. It's just like straight away, it's six months. And it's almost, you know, I read a whole book of the power of no, you know, how important it is just to basically yeah. say no to someone. Can you do it quicker than that? Nope. We hand make all our yep. sofas. And you're like, ah, oh, it's a USP. Now I'm more interested in your six-month delivery than it being a turn-off. So then running back from that, there's a phrase I use quite a lot at the moment when we talk about web content. And you've been talking about this, about making it effortless, make it frictionless, seamless, just make it easy. Yeah, can I, I love your thing of, can I find the product easily? Can I get it in my cart and can I buy it easily? I always add on to that in terms of what you actually put in front of people. We always get in trouble as an SEO agency. We get in trouble with the designers and the clients because we say, add this and add that. And, you know, Google wants a yeah. breadcrumb. They want the page to load quickly. Um, we want a description at the top. We want some links all over the place. We want some buying guides. We want some, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And Google wants all that stuff. So we work with quite a lot of UX designers um, and we have quite a few we bring in on projects now to say to the client, look, here's everything. It's a lot. We get that. So we're going to release one or two things at a time. Oh, and here's a designer we're bringing to the call as well. They can talk to you about, um, and obviously we tell them in advance, they don't just sort of show up. Um, but they're going to talk to you about how we can organize this. So the page is clean. It's not cluttered. The other thing that a good UX designer will do is they won't just take all of this and make it fit and make it fit from a sort of balancing padding point of view on the page. They'll think about, um, and this is the phrase I use quite a lot, is um, push your, your USPs, not your T's and C's. And it's a phrase I came up with because it rhymes. Um, But push your USPs and your USPs are the ones your customers care about and your T's and C's are the ones you just need to make them aware of. And sometimes you do and don't need to make them aware of it. So asking customers like, was our six week delivery a problem for you or was that fine? And if a lot of them say it's a problem, well, you probably do need to mention that and overcome that before they purchase to avoid customer service problems. And you also need to overcome it with the USP. Take six weeks because we make it. Or it takes six weeks because we import it in as soon as you want it. Or it takes six weeks because we need to bake it and make it for you. Yes. And I think that's really important. You know, you're getting a handmade bespoke product here is really, really key. Yeah. But so often we go on people's sites and it says stuff like, um, 
free delivery and returns. And that used to be a USP, but now it's sort of expected unless it says otherwise. If you've not got free delivery, then that's probably something you need to talk about. And I read a really interesting, uh, a really interesting article recently about pricing. And it was very simple and just said most e-commerce stores these days, a few exceptions, but most e-commerce stores should offer free standard delivery. And all you do is you just put the delivery in your product price. So the product's £200 and it costs £20 to deliver it. Just charge 210 or 215 and split the difference. You know, and take a little hit on margin. But then also now, it's another thing you don't have to communicate. So if you sell one more £215 product a day as a result of doing that, and you can do conversion tests to see which works better. If you sell a one or two more products a day or a week now, you're probably making more money given your margins compared to what you would have made if you had just charged them for delivery in the first place. So again, we talk about it a lot. Get an accountant on board. Yeah, and also get a, a consumer expert, you know, because that's all about mm. the experience, isn't it? That's all about making it, yeah. as I said, effortless, easy. Mm. Uh, it's not retail, but it is in a way. So I'm in the process of purchasing a watch. It happens to be quite, uh, let's say it's a, a reasonable investment. So I had to get onto my insurance company to update my uh, contents insurance. So this is a consumer-facing you know, about ease and, and friction and all the rest of it. Mm. And because it hits a certain threshold in terms of value, mm-hmm. they said, ah, oh, you'll need to speak to our, I won't name them, you know, such and such mm. team. So I yeah. get through to this different team and they walk me through it and say, ah, oh, yes, so you're a high net worth individual. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I just happen to have <laughs> this particular yeah. item and, and they say ah yes and for you sir premiums uh, for your home content will start at around about a thousand pounds uh and i'm like uh no they won't uh put me back to you know the other and we'll, we'll go anyway long story mm. short it was just too difficult and after about 45 minutes of this and going round and round i said no yeah. i'm i'm going to cancel my um policy with you i'll go elsewhere this is yeah, just yeah. ridiculous you know so so um, I know it's insurance; it's not directly retail, but it's consumer facing, and mm-hmm. um, and I think any any consumer facing you know, re- retail, just on that for a second, yep. I think is particularly poor at looking outside the retail sector at other consumer facing industries. Mm. So, for example, take the airlines. Now, maybe that's not such a good uh, moment, <laughs> but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll mm. bear with me. You know. Come on with me on this journey. So, yep. for you know, as long as we can remember, you've got the uh, the concept of first class, business class, you know, premium mm-hmm. and economy. Why don't we have that in supermarkets? Hmm. You know, I'm I'm a VIP customer, I'm a premium customer. I don't want to go. First of all, I've got to come in. I've got to push my own trolley. I've got to fill it. I've then got to queue up. <laughs> or you want to make me go to self service and. As if I work in your supermarket, I've got to unload my trolley and then I've got to pack it and then I've got to take it out of the car. You know, all those I sorts of things. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a platinum card holder, Mr. Supermarket. Mm. Why don't you recognize me as that? You know, I mean, okay, people yeah, might think that's a little bit extreme, but actually I think some of that should come into retail more and more yeah. often. So, you know. So I'm in, you know, I look forward to the day when I walk into my local supermarket, which I go into quite frequently, and I turn left, mm. not right, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a good 
sorry, just to add to that, a really good example of that is yeah. which you can do online, and it's a lot it's, it's a lot easier online just because it's a bit of tech as opposed to a whole army of extra people at the supermarket. But online, we do talk a lot about VIP customers, yeah. And actually, you should be offering them extra stuff. And um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an industry that does this incredibly well. Um, in it, and I, I hate this industry if I'm honest. Um, but it's the gambling industry. <laughs> Gambling are brilliant at it. You spend enough on a gambling website or in your local bookies, right. you get free bets and stuff all over the place. Right. And they are just throwing money at you to get more money back. And I, I get that the transaction with them is it's purely just money moving around. It's not a physical product. But yeah, online yeah. shops, we can learn so much from that and create a VIP customer list. Yeah. I've even seen it where some some stores have made a members-only version of the store. A bit like, um, you know, in some supermarkets like Tesco's, you can become a club card member and you get discounts off yeah. just a ton of products. Um, almost every supermarket has a reward scheme, certainly in the UK. It's that kind of thing, but it's not always rewards. Sometimes it's exclusives, it's free products. It's, you know, we'd love to hear from you. And if you fill out this form, we'll give you an exclusive access to a, a limited edition product. You know, we have a few alcohol brands we work with, um, one of which has just launched some very nice limited edition whiskey. There's only a certain amount of whiskey and it's been sitting in barrels for however many years to get to the point it does to where it, it now tastes delicious. And we were planning to run a big campaign for this once the VIP customers had had their bit. It was all gone in 24 hours. Yeah. To which the owners then, who were quite naive, said, where's the next batch? It's like, well, it takes like 20 years. So, Isn't it yeah. strange how alcohol sales, they, they, they never say that, oh, you know, by the way, this is a premium. It's been aged for uh, 12 or 15 years. And mm. isn't your hangover going to be far more manageable because it's such a premium product? <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> No, um, and, but they should do. Benefits sell, features tell. Why not? You know, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But to your point, just quickly then, um, mm. if you say to people, well, we're going to charge you for entering our store, yeah. they would say, what? Wait, but there are, there are plenty of examples. Amazon does it. Yep. Okay, Prime is optional, but that's mm. it. Costco does it. You need to become a member. I think that we will uh, see more of, of, of that, you know, so mm. just generally in terms of, and this applies very much, as you say, to online, but just to commerce, if, if you like, mm. I think we'll, we'll see more of that where people need to, almost, you know, they need to become a member, they need to join the club mm. to be able to get the benefits, which is actually, you know, kind of um, a bit like the, you know, the, the loyalty schemes in, uh, in a sense, you're joining yeah, yeah. a club, although, yeah, you get certain benefits back. I think it could go further. Yeah, yeah. There's um there's an amazing brand in the UK. Um they don't they don't do it quite the same way anymore, so I won't say the name, but they used to only sell trade. So whatever the retail yeah. price was, to so say it was thirty dollars for this product, um, they would get ten to so the first third for selling it into the distributors around the country and around the US. Um, the distributor would take the next third to sell it on to the retailer, and then the retailer would keep the final third for selling it to customer. And one of these brands got so angry with this, they got some investment from an investment firm and said, we're going to take a punt on this. We're going to fire all the distributors. We're going to, say, stuff all the retailers. Why are they selling our product for us? And they said, we're going to go direct to consumer. Yep. And if you sign up, it's $100 a year, just $100 a year. And it's also, this, these are products for horses. So you're going to be spending a good amount of money on your horse all year. It's a living, huge living animal. It's going to cost you money, however you look at it. So $100 a year. And you now get, as a consumer, you get a third off the price, which means the brand themselves are now making double per sale. So they're getting two thirds and the final third is just gone. So 
everybody then started going direct. Loads of the distributors went bust and the retailers were contacting them saying, how can I get on to sell your product? And they said, well, we're going to slim that middle margin now because we can, because people are coming direct to us. So if you want a bigger margin than your third, um, you're not going to get it anymore because you've been ripping us off for decades and we're not having it yeah. anymore. And then the second brand followed suit, third brand followed suit and the rest of them all went bankrupt. Right. So now there's only a monopoly of three. But you see how, I mean, the fact they got into that scenario in the first place is a bit clunky, but it is that whole loyalty reward. And the other, the other thing, point we've not made at all, actually, either of us about retention is if you've paid money to a scheme, I shop at Amazon because I want to get my $70 or whatever it is a year, year's worth. Um, <laughs> I want to get my money's worth from my free delivery. And I sometimes watch films on Amazon or I, the other day I realized I was paying for Netflix and lots of my family use my Netflix account, which I know is against their T's and C's now, but that's fine. We'll, we'll talk about that another day. Um, Edit that bit out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, I'll probably leave it in knowing me. Um, but but Netflix, they, I don't watch it very often, but I'm the one paying the bill. So then I go, all right, I'm going to go and use it. So actually, if you did get people subscribed up to your product, and especially if it was the sort of product, which is, we're talking subscribe and save here, but on a subscription you paid for, which means you've locked them in for a full year. And all you need do now is tell them an amazing story on email and, and through social throughout that year, sell them some good products and just deliver on what you've said you're going to deliver. Get it to them on yeah. time. And as you say, send them the free samples, like the example with um, Joe Malone, send some free stuff out as well. Because then they might upgrade their subscription and go, well, you sent me a free, you know, I, I, I subscribe to get four or five candles a month. Yeah. Um, or in the UK, we'll recognize the joke, four candles. Four candles a month. Yeah. Four candles a month. But you You've sent me a fifth one that's smaller, but it's a real. It's got such a nice scent to it. I'm going to add that into my yeah. order now, and it's a more it's expensive, yeah. more premium one. And you slowly upgrade, but that that if you can, it's difficult to get people on it. But if you get people on that paid subscription per year, your retention is going to be phenomenal because they they've already paid a cut for these products. So if they now don't buy any, they've they've actually lost out on this. It's all part of the fee. Absolutely, yeah. So so it needs to be a reciprocal thing. Yeah, hmm. if people pay for that membership. There, that subscription, then you need to deliver value back to them. Yeah, and, and Netflix mm. is, um, when we were talking earlier about AI, yep. Netflix is particularly good at that in terms of recommending mm. because, you know, obviously it knows what you've watched, therefore we recommend. And it doesn't beat around the bush, does it? It says, we think you'll like this stuff, and there it is. Yeah, precisely, yeah. And again, you don't have to go hunting for it. It's mm. just there. Just click on it. That That's it. Yeah, yeah. So I think from that, from that point of view, but... Um, Prime probably the one that interests me actually is Twitter because mm. I saw yesterday or two days ago, yeah, so we're um, you know, the run up to Christmas, and our friend Elon has uh, reinstated the blue tick verification in terms. Of, I think now it's eight dollars a month. Yeah, eight dollars mm. because there are a lot of impersonators, weren't there? He hadn't really yes. uh, bargained on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was reading about it, and I might try it, not because I want a blue tick, but because it it gives you the edit facility if you sign up for that. Mm. And I don't know about you, but it is so frustrating. You know, the number of times I'll post something on LinkedIn, and then I just go in after, and say, oh, no, I should have just mentioned somebody, or I should have just... And you can just go and edit it. Well, we post our podcast several times a week, so I know full well we've forgotten to tag someone. Yeah, especially when they've paid us some money to sponsor. So uh, yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's absolutely, good. yeah. So you need to you need to uh, need to edit mm. it. But yeah. you know, again, that's an example of you know you, you're paying a subscription, you're paying something, you need to mm. receive value in return. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, we're at forty minutes. We'll we'll bring things into a close. But Andrew. 
best question we get to ask and, and final question for you is um, Software AG and Retail Reflections, what are they? How can we get in touch with you or how can anyone listening reach out if they want to have a chat? Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, so very briefly, Software AG, we're a German, well, a, a mid-size, mm-hmm. I, I guess, um, software company. We have markets all around the world. And in uh, retail, uh, I run the retail practice there. Mm. We have an awful lot of very, very good, valuable retail customers in the UK, the likes of Tesco and John Lewis. So mm. that's Software AG, and uh, you can, um, uh, well, I'll come back to the contact, Retail Reflections. It's an analyst company, which I founded about six years ago. And, um, you know, we uh, speak and write about uh, all aspects of, uh, of retail. Probably the best way to get hold of me, I'm on LinkedIn, Andrew Busby, on Twitter, at Andrew Busby, and um, email andrew at retail-reflections.co.uk. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. And I look forward to seeing that blue tick on, uh, on Twitter as well. But thank you very much for your time. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Lovely stuff. And for everyone listening at home, we will be back again next week. Apologies, we've been posting a little bit late recently. Byron, my assistant, who some of you have met on the podcast before, has not been very well for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we did a company away day and I managed to knock down about half the team. That wasn't my fault, but half the team have been uh, been quite unwell. So apologies. Probably back again next Friday. Um, and if you don't listen to another one before Christmas, have an amazing and very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.